Hello and welcome to the Success Secret Podcast with Rosso Santalev. I am excited to introduce you to a series of conversations with some of the most successful and inspiring individuals from various industries. My aim is to dive into the stories behind their success and explore the knowledge, strategies, habits, mindsets, and wisdom that have propelled their success. Each episode of the Success Secret Podcast will feature a different guest who will share their unique journey, the challenges they faced, and the lessons they have learned along the way. I will also be covering topics from entrepreneurship and innovation to leadership and personal development. Whether you are an inspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned business professional, or just someone looking to improve your life, the Success Secret Podcast is for you. My goal is to bring you valuable insights and inspiration that will help you achieve your own success in business and life. So get ready to learn and be inspired. The Success Secret Podcast starts now. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Success Secret Podcast with your host, Hussein Talib. In this episode, I have with me Richard Plank. So first of all, let us know and let the Success Secret Nation know your story because it's interesting that you moved from the US to Costa Rica. What was the idea behind that? Basically, 27, you are, I don't know, some countries consider it to be young. So, <laughs> what's, the, what's, what's behind this story? Hussein, I think a lot of our ancestors were nomads. They've traveled throughout the world and settled in different places. And my family came from Europe to the United States at the turn of the 20th century. And since languages were my favorite subjects in school, I decided to be a Spanish major And when I was 27 years old, I had this one in a million opportunity to move to Costa Rica and work at my friend's center for just a couple months. Well, I fell in love with the culture. I fell in love with the business. I saw the opportunities and decided to stay. And I learned the business, Hussein. I learned it from the inside out, not at sea level. Everything from retention, customer support, sales, and affiliate management. And then when I had this other opportunity to start my own business, I realized besides impulse control, maturity, and some capital, the greatest asset I had was extending empathy to the agents because I want them to have their dignity and not feel like a number or expendable. I'll, I'll bend you. I'm just not going to break you. And I want to make sure the best relationships we have is where everybody leaves something on the table. And that's why we're almost celebrating our 15th year in business, my friend. Awesome, awesome. So... Me, basically, I have never worked as a call center uh, officer, what they call it, or agent. So okay. how <laughs> how does that work? Because is it is it like, how do you start this one? Because it could be like a very competitive market, right? A lot of uh, companies either have in-house teams or hire other companies to work with them out of house. So right. you started this. Didn't you think that? It might fail or something like that. How, how did you see it? Oh, everything has a chance of success and failure. But this is what I did know. My experience. After working at my friend's center and seeing the tens of thousands of hours of calls that were analyzed through quality control, sitting with the agents and hearing the areas in which they loved and ones in which they couldn't stand, and wondering why people were leaving a company and seeing an attrition rate. And so I'm not saying anything is 100%, but the odds were in my favor. Mm-hmm. I started small, Hussein. I was renting a turnkey station at a blended center. I did that for a couple of years. And then I rented space and built out the center 
And then after so many years, I built an actual call center myself that I own with all the equipment in the server room. And so things come in stages. But you mentioned something earlier, my friend, that you have no experience working at a call center. First is you dodged a major bullet. But secondly... (laughs) Let's say you decided that you wanted to enter the center and work with me and saying, well, here's the best part. You have no bad habits. I can mold you like a knight to a squire. And mm-hmm. I can share with you things that will not compromise your ethics, values, or morals and discuss with you certain best practices and soft skills that, in my opinion, will enhance your diplomacy and strategy when making your message and delivery. You are an expert speaker. Look what you've been doing on your podcast. You do amazing work. I'm doing something over the phone is, is just connecting the introductions and moving things forward. But listen, I, I said it before and I'll say it again. As long as you're not compromising ethics, values, and morals, there's no reason you can't do this for a living. The moment that you do something where you can't go home and tell your parents what you do for a living, those are the sort of campaigns that I would turn down or that agents would never accept and I would just never have in my call center. I assume that people who work in call centers need to have multiple skills. Like, for example, we're talking here about language. We're talking about the communication skills. We talk here about also, I'm sure, sales skills, because a lot of time when you when someone calls you, or even if you call them for a support, they sometimes try to sell something. So there is sure. multiple skills to learn for them. So how do you put these people in a place where they can learn at a, at a higher level, I guess? Well, first is I put fear into perspective that learning a second language is 10 times harder than any campaign I'll put them on. Secondly, I'll give you all of your resources because if I'm not giving you your script, rebuttals, list, or any sort of support with your computer or headset, you're going to be uncomfortable. And then also we'll do some role playing. We will discuss the product. So when you're calling a company, maybe you will do a positive escalation with the gatekeeper before being transferred. You will try to make nice. You will properly introduce yourself and represent companies in the best light. Saying you don't force a fit. If someone's not going to buy, you can't shove it down somebody's throat. And so by making these calls, sure, it's muscle memory and it's practice. But if you have a very solid personality, show active listening, if you can be spontaneous on the phone, you know, if a dog's barking in the background, show active interest in an animal, ask follow-up questions on its name and breed, and then inadvertently and passive-aggressively let them know it's barking and you can't hear you on the phone. And so these are things that will only enhance someone's self-confidence and self-reliance. And then they play their percentages and, and they could do quite well. Listen, if you're very talented on the phone or communicating, your earnings potential is limitless. And so I think if someone's willing to put themselves out there and be that communicator, like yourself with your medium, there's no reason why people can't get the sort of positive reinforcement that they're looking for. The most important thing in any business in general, for example, is to have the people skills or networking. So this is basically what communicating is about. And I also believe that being forthright. There are things that are happening outside of the office to saying that may be affecting your work performance. I've seen people tired, hungover, or just in a bad mood. Now, without prying, something could be happening. And so maybe instead of me trying to fix what's happening outside the office, if you're with me for eight hours a day, maybe we can recharge those batteries 
maybe we can escape what was bothering you outside the office and let you balance yourself, give you that sort of job stability and financial assurance that you can handle your, your situations. And, you know, half the time it's dealing with people's life because things happen. And the reason that they claim that companies look at you as a number is because they're expecting you to go home, eat, go to bed, come back to work and just pound it out for another day. Well, as I mentioned before, you might be up all night. You might be falling in love. You might be spending time with your children or traveling to do something that's, in my opinion, may be more important and a top priority than making phone calls the following day. And so Hussein, I'm going to judge you on the 99 times you came through like a champion. If there's one time that might be out of character, out of place, you know what I'm going to do, my friend? I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. As long as you're not affecting the labor laws or doing something that could really make you lose the job, I give you a pass. Because if you and I could make through the tough times together, then we have that sort of foundation and stability to make it through the easy times. And that's the way I look at it, my friend, one person at a time, because that one individual could be such a solid rock and brick in your wall. So, so for you to have this successful call center business, what do you think are, in general, or in specificity, the most important things for any uh, person that wants to be an entrepreneur or a business owner to look at? Well, you're going to laugh at this, but I believe in a gamification culture. I'm an avid collector of classic retro arcade machines, American pinball machines, and jukeboxes. So I've created a neutral environment. These individuals, instead of going outside to look at their phone, have a cigarette, or be by themselves, they can let off steam, recharge batteries, make friends, and hang out with me. And you know that in between calls, besides taking a break, having coffee or eating something, if you're stimulating your mind, it's only going to make you come back to the phone or upstairs warmed up and and ready to go. You you didn't stop. There's still momentum there. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I I wanted to create, as I mentioned, a, a neutral environment for people to feel comfortable. So besides work, I can give you a balance of play. Because some of your best friends are made during play. Or if I'm having a meeting with somebody instead of doing it in my office where they're intimidated, or it might not be the right environment for them, we go downstairs and play some Pac-Man. And over Pac-Man, we can discuss things. I, I find it to be an extremely effective medium. And plus, I'm a kid. I like to enjoy myself. And um, when you see this game room, you realize how I treat myself, how I treat the agents, and how I'm very much different from all these other call center CEO and entrepreneurs that don't treat their people that way. And so that's how I make my company culture just a little bit different. Yeah, speaking speaking of the world culture, how important it is for you to build a culture in a business? And how do you let every employee know about that and let's say i don't know memorize it or know about it because in general a successful company is based on the employees all the employees together knowing the goals and the visions and the missions and the culture inside of the company yes well the call centers are very interesting there's a very large attrition here 
And people also see this industry as something that's transitional, or they might look down upon it from what you see in Hollywood, where the calls you may have received are made. But for me, the most important thing is to try to break any sort of misconceptions of what telemarketers and call center agents do. There are individuals here that can resolve issues for you. People may work at companies and have to make appointment calls or to set appointments for people and do lead generation. It's an enormous amount of people that earn a living doing this. And so for me to have my sort of culture, I have to avoid the natural attrition. I will lose people because of a scheduling conflict for the university. It might be closer to their home if they have to travel on site. Their boyfriend or girlfriend may be working there. And also, let's be realistic. If they have earnings potential, there are places that do pay more and have a more aggressive pay structure. But this industry in all is something where, in my opinion, has very talented artists of speech. You know, today, Hussein, most people are doing things in an omni-channel non-voice capacity where it's either chat or email support, which is fine. But I believe that you have a much better percentage of retaining a client over the phone doing an upsell, getting a referral. And let's look at it in a, in, in a serious way. If you happen to be losing a client, you might be able to get an exit interview out of that individual on the phone compared to an email, where we can find out what the competition had done to earn their business or what you and I could have done to keep their business. And so mm -hmm. as long as we can keep that sort of open mind and realize that this is a means to an end, this actual interpersonal communication verbally, then I think you'll get better results. Yeah, I, I'm with you with that, especially now with a lot of AI coming in, a lot of technology. The problem is not only, as you mentioned, there is only email or messaging. There is a lot of automated messaging, the bots that they are using. That's to me, correct. that's To me, <laughs> that's bad. They never give the answer that you are looking for. You have you have got to, to reach a person at least to, to give you the right feedback or give you the solution for what you really want. Bots don't do that as much as they are maybe helpful in some situations, but uh, not, not enough, I guess. And then what happens is saying you finally get somebody on the phone and the next thing you know, you're elevated, your tone is aggressive, you're angry. I've seen people curse and yell on the phone and it's, it's not a very good way to start a conversation, not because that's what you're doing. Imagine the receiving end of it. This individual had nothing to do with what just happened to you. They're just receiving this customer support call to assist you. And they're receiving all of this coming down on them. And so um, there are ways to listen and to start separating piles and making it easier to carry. And professionals that can retain a client that way, or if somebody, so if somebody speaks with you and they get it all out, there's a very good chance you're going to get some nuggets out of that to uh, increase that business. So can you walk us through the telemarketing strategies that that work best? Are there any levels for these? Are like intermediate, hard, uh, advanced, or beginner strategies for people to learn about? Of course. Naturally, your advanced and expert strategies are the 10,000 hours. If you've mastered a certain topic where you could do it with your eyes closed, that's one thing. So let's just give you the basic beginner of what you should do. And this is really just more mental for you. I believe in armor, shield, and sword. 
And the first thing is that you got to have the courage to make these sort of phone calls. Fortune does favor the brave, but information does assist you. It's like almost like a chess move. So use LinkedIn profiles, websites to your advantage. You might be able to uncover certain company cultures, anniversaries, traditions, even the photographs of what the loading dock looks like, what offices look like. You might see something there to, to have in common. I also believe in company name spikes. So in the first couple seconds of a call, using your anonymity by asking how the company is doing, saying the name of the company better than the individual answering the call. So at least you're giving a solid first impression of saying something they're familiar with and asking generally how the company is doing. It's almost like mystery shopping and almost gives the impression that you've been there before. So defenses get dropped on the receiving end. Mm -hmm. There's also a technique called the buffer boomerang technique. If somebody asks you a question with a negative tone, what I'd like you for you to do is to name drop them, say Hussein. That is an excellent question. My name is Richard Black. And so name drop them, let them know it's an excellent question, repeat the question to show active listening and send it back as a positive too. And so you can constantly be buffer boomeranging negative tones to reset the tone. Mm -hmm. And then there's an advanced technique that I use. It's called phonetic microexpression reading. Obviously, there are inconsistencies with consistency. So I believe that somebody should be studying the tone rate and pitch and duration of a phone call every 30 seconds to two minutes, which is the average attention span. Mm. In my professional opinion, is saying your tone should be your consistent variable. That's not where you mirror image. Your tone should be confident and empathetic. You should be extending compassion towards people. That has been shown to get the best sort of positive reinforcement. Now, the manipulation comes in when you study people's rate of speech and their pitch, their speaking level. If there's crosstalk or interruption, you're the one that's off. If you can mirror image how loud and how fast they speak, it will give you certain tell signs of when to ask a tie down, pin down question or a clarification question. And then also, I think that the greatest tell sign that you have is the answering speed. That's something that you cannot manipulate. It's subconscious. And so four out of 10 times, they may be consistent. But that's the sort of thing non-visually that will be able to assist you in a certain tell sign. I believe in raking questions where if you give large lists of something, give a pause in between each one to see if you can take it from horizontal to vertical and ask open-ended questions. Check out for positive reinforcements. At the end, you can ask the clarification question of assuming that you like at least one instead of all of them. I would also be using the military alphabet. You have a wonderful name. I might want to make sure that I'm spelling it correctly. It's not insulting. It's actually quite a compliment because then I can say your name properly the rest of the call and emails don't bounce back. And also, as I was mentioning before, you, you, you have these gatekeepers and these individuals that may be filtering phone calls. I believe that if you're able to give a positive escalation verbally on the phone that this individual that assisted you and also doing it in writing, this is going to completely separate you from dozens of people that are prospecting for this business, showing how you do business prior to contracts. And if I happen to call your company back, this individual is going to remember my name and say, Richard, in 10 years I've been here, you're the only one that complimented me to his name. And so this individual as well will be giving me direct extensions, other sort of company culture information, and really moving my ball forward down the field and insisting me in scoring. And these are the sort of soft skills that are not angling your way into a call. It's not forcing a fit. All I'm doing is appreciating somebody that assisted me double-checking, confirming, and pacing myself with you, 
seeing the certain tell signs you're giving me because I'm speaking with you for the first time. So obviously there's a give and a take, but there's a certain sort of balance you can have in a two for a one where I can figure out how to move forward and how to be a rudder on your ship, Hussein. Mm. And then finally, no surprises, good, bad, or ugly. Bring something up, make suggestions, and just be somebody that could be forthright with you. Because if you and I are able to work through the tough times, imagine how easy it's going to be during the, the good times. And so that's the sort of long-term foundation things that I look for instead of just trying to have somebody for a one and a done. So in general call centers, what are the requirements for them to, to be like, let's say, starting and training the right employees? How do you know that you are getting the right one? Is there certain specs? Do you do, you do certain IQ tests or just teach them and make, like you mentioned earlier, do the scenario where you are in a situation when it's kind of like having a customer calling in? My friend, if you gave me an IQ test and a personality test, you wouldn't have had me on your podcast. <laughs> so it's the kind of thing. I don't trust those things. I trust my intuition. Listen, it depends on the profiled agent. If someone needs to be very tech savvy, they got to have a certain typing speed and have a certain background of, of uh, diplomas and certificates. But I told you before, if I have someone like yourself that just walks off the street with an amazing personality, bilingual, highly intelligent, just a really nice guy, there's no reason why I can't teach you how to use a Plantronic headset and how to use a CRM system and input information how to use a predictive dialer, know what to do to put yourself in ready status. That could be taught within a half an hour. But what you're bringing to the table, I'm saying, is this personality that, as I mentioned before, without bad habits, willing to be coachable, and willing to, once again, express yourself. I've seen, like in the movies, I've seen people that are in such a moment where they either close their eyes when they're talking or they stand up because they want to move around a little bit and they're feeling good. Or in between calls, let's just say you and I are listening to someone sitting between us that is having the best call. We might be listening to them for a few minutes. And then when the call ends, we all high five each other and we ask what sort of magic dust you were using on that call. It's a, it's a synergy environment. We feed off of each other's energies. Yeah. It really is an environment of speakers, of communicators, of people that are expressive. If you believe you'll be embarrassed because you're excited for somebody on a phone call or asking how to pronounce their names correctly, you're not in the right business and you shouldn't be looking at people that way. They, these are individuals that are showing such advanced communication skills. They're able to convert a call. They're able to resolve an issue. They're getting referrals from people. And if your heart doesn't beat so fast, it's because you're not doing something wrong. You might need to build the endurance for it and get used to talking on the phone in a structured, controlled environment in a call center cubicle. But if you can see it like I did, my friend, where friends are strangers you haven't met yet, and that success is built on a million thank yous, and you take one call at a time. What's the average talk time? Five minutes. What's the average talk time for me? I don't know. I could be on the phone with Hussein for an hour. I'm not going to rush my friend if he wants to talk. And don't, don't, don't pressure me to finish the call fast. I won't be able to close the deal because we're bonding right now. And so 
when people used to look at my outbound call totals, it wasn't 100 calls a day on average. It was about 85, 89. But then you look at how many deals I made and I was crushing everybody. So when they keep trying to stress people, make 100 calls, you'll get five. Yeah, but look at Richard. He's making less and getting more. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to let you know, my friend, stop being a, a, a print. Stop grinding it out. Why don't you take every phone call with essence and be a painting and try to find that one special gem on every single phone call where I can anchor and connect with you. I find it fascinating where you're from in the world. I, you're my first friend from Jordan. I've never met someone from your, from your area of the world before. And, and prior to this call, we were just getting to know one another, but then we're also extending this sort of come visit me. Yes, you should come visit me. I'd love to show you certain things. And, and that's a, and that's a wonderful thing. And if I had gotten you on some sort of telemarketing call, and I found out that's where you were from, I would have put everything aside and just wanted to talk to you for 10 minutes about, about you so I could get to know you. And it's got nothing to do with what I'm selling today. And my quality control department, the numbers would be off the chart. They're like, Richard, you're not checking any boxes. You're supposed to be asking him his email address. No, I'm asking you what the parks are like around where you live and what is the beautiful you know, areas and the food and the culture. And so... Um, it was different, my friend. It was being more eclectic. It was being more me. And I think that's what made it very easy for me to transition from call center agent to owner because I never had to go through those levels of supervisor and management, which could have potentially tainted me or threw me off in regards to my momentum. Awesome. What you're talking here about is amazing. Like knowing people, having empathy with them. Like you mentioned, if you are talking about numbers, yeah, for example, if you are going to make 100 calls a day and you're making 10, whatever it is, conversion, you know, the conversion or sales or whatever, and you, you, for example, you, someone else did 50 calls, but instead they made 40, that's, there, there's a huge difference. The difference is like, that one is making a real connection with people, it's not just there to to make the sale or make the call end and just to give the pointers and one, two, three and go. And that's it. It's very important, especially nowadays with the, like we mentioned earlier, with the technology evolving, AIs and these kind of things, less and less sometimes you feel the human connection is missing. So yeah, that's important. And, and two things that happened there. By being the top sales individual, I had leverage. I could have come in late maybe take longer lunches or put my feet up on the desk. I probably wouldn't have gotten in trouble. I didn't do that. I still stuck to the rules. So I, I, I still wasn't taking advantage. But this is what I did do. Let's all calm down for a second. Let's say you and I just got off the best 35-minute phone call. Ripped it, right? I got lunch in about an hour, but I just got off a phone call. May I go get some coffee for a second? Maybe put some water on my face. Can I go over and talk to Hussein for a second? Let him know I had the best phone call and, and share in the moment. So I, I believe in this celebration after the goal. You don't need to get right back on the phone. If you're in a moment, man, high five people, run around the floor. If you want some coffee, go get some, but I'm not on break yet. You're on my break. Take five. You earned it. What, I'm not counting clock with you. Legally, I got to. But there's certain times I'll let you take a break on the clock. You did great, pal. You deserve it. Enjoy your moment. Because the moment that you turn off that light and go, great, get back on the phone, you ruin that sort of 
energy that just was created there that you could actually harness and spread around the room for a little bit. You get much more out of that. The momentum went when you have something that's going energetic momentum, something going, you have to like let it fly, I guess. So we saw you on the phone for 35 minutes. We want to hear what just happened. <laughs> you know, you just get put them right back on the phone. There's no way. Yeah. But I, I, I believe in that, my friend. That's the natural that happens. And, and that's the sort of wu-wei, no resistance. And I really dig that. So, so how do you look at yourself between your business and the competition that you have? Do you, do you, have, do you think like sometimes I am doing this better than them? Like we are talking here about, about this now, empathy and having relationship with the caller or client. Or do you think they are doing some things that you could do better for your business? Interesting. Very interesting question. How about this, my friend? I can wrap it up in this one expression. I'd rather have someone judge me on merit over price. Because with price, I can get you three times the amount of people. You know, if I were in the Philippines. In price, I could get more equipment. I could do certain things in advertisement. or have rollover staff and stuff. And so a lot of it has to do with budgets. And Costa Rica is considered the Switzerland of Central America. We're the most expensive. Really? Okay. Now, pound for pound, if, you, if, you, if you're taking away price, that's not part of the call center Olympics, okay? Not at all. Flat out how we're doing it here. Yes, I can get the same equipment as anybody. I can also have better aesthetics, My environment has vaulted ceiling, bay windows, fresh light. And also my location is phenomenal for the universities and the hospitals and stuff. So those might have an issue too. But let's even take it to one circle even more. Me and, and the relationship with the supervisors, the fact that I've delegated internally, Hussein, where every single person from CTO, floor management, human resources director, does all supervisors and team leads. It was all done internally. You don't have to be with me for years to get promoted. You just got to be awesome. And I will find ways to promote you. Also taking it one step further inside that, that ball there is the relationship I have with them in regards to the dignity, the empathy. And then let's take it even one step further. The fact that I earned my stripes instead of burning out, I thrived in this industry. I started a center myself. I did it slow and steady, cash only. guaranteeing that there's reserves to pay for any sort of setbacks and and doing the labor laws here in Costa Rica. And then finally, how I treat myself. As hard as I work, I still have a balance. I can work out in the gym, wash my convertible, play pinball, have a smile on my face. And I show the people that I dress for them. I'm doing well for myself. And so it starts from me where I can extend with my roots and my branches. And so companies that call me, they love the fact that I moved to another country, started this from scratch, was in this industry, take the calls, accountable, make suggestions. People look for that. And they're knowing that they're getting 100%. And that also, that they have someone like me on site, because I, I could be considered one of the best telemarketing trainers out there. And I've gotten some very good positive reinforcement after 15 years. I've I'm a guest in this country. If I wasn't doing something well, it wouldn't have lasted this long. The odds were too great. And so the market speaks. And having 150 agents in doing this, it's, I don't need to pat myself on the back. You know, the proof was in the pudding. And I have a luxury of a track record. And 
So I guess those are the sort of feedbacks that I could give to you that I believe individually has made me successful when I've competed against centers that have been 10 times my size. Yeah. So what would you advise people who want to be entrepreneurs or business owners? What is it that they should do or focus on more to achieve success, let's say? It's a wonderful question, Hussein. I believe it starts with me time. You're thinking of making money making deals working. I'm also talking about recharging. Individuals should hit the gym. They should have a good sleep schedule, a half decent diet, or if anything or nothing, just take a 20 minute walk to let your mind decompress, put the phone away. And how about this? If there's no serious sense of urgency, Hussein, maybe you and I can talk tomorrow. So maybe our tone could be adjusted. I could write a draft, maybe not send it. Maybe the following day, prioritize possibly apologize to you for overextending my tone or not saying enough in the conversation. And so I, I think a lot of that has to do with maturity too, that you have to give second chances or a second chance to have a conversation and not make something set in stone because you'd like to save a marriage, a business relationship, a best friend and your top producer. And things can be very delicate. And as I told you before, my friend, there's always a 10% variable that you and I have no idea could be affecting the tone of the conversation. Is it important for people to have passions for what they do? Like you are apparently passionate about what you do. So <laughs> You need fidelity, of course. You need fidelity. But um, how about this? There will always be naysayers and gray believers out there who are saying it's usually people that love you and care about you. They're just nervous. But if you're on this mission, If you have a vision quest, a spiritual life journey, passionate about something, knowing in your heart that at least you want to try to do this, then then by all means, drink life and go for it. But, But make sure that you're financially responsible with your family and that you're not hurting anybody with what you're doing. But there are things inside of you that may need to come out there. We've all yearned for adventure leaving a castle, slaying a dragon and saving a princess, you know, and what can we really do today when the world seems so small and you don't know how many options you have? Well, you might have this one in a million opportunity that crosses your path and you might need to, as I mentioned, take a step back and calm down and really understand that by making this decision, you could have everything in life you've ever dreamed of but you should also be exceptionally careful of what you wish for because when you have it, <laughs> you know, it, it may or may not be what you were looking for. But for me, my friend, it really wasn't about the money. I've been very fortunate, but it was about feeding families. And when you get to meet someone's family that picks them up from the office, I get to meet someone's mother. I'll, I'll tell your mom how great Hussein is for like an hour. <laughs> you got to pull me away. And those are the sort of gifts that keep on giving when you see the children and the families that they're supporting. And it's nice to be able to pay taxes, to give jobs, to grow companies. So these amazing entrepreneurs that take the time to listen to your podcasts and your wisdom and your support, they have the gusto. They got the vigor. They got the grit. You know they're going to win. They they have it in them. But they need to have that one sort of, as you're mentioning, old school 
mentality of your pleases and thank yous and your social graces and really being interested in what somebody is doing in their lives. And if you happen to put your phone away and look at somebody during lunch or what you and I just did during this entire podcast, I never stopped looking at you the whole time. <laughs> that's, how, that's how you and I can bridge and make those connections. So you're amazing entrepreneurs that are so tech savvy. See what you can do when the lights in the internet go out. Are you still this talented? Can you talk to <laughs> someone in the dark with just a candle? Can you do it? If you can do that, then you'll be a millionaire. So have them practice that. Put their phone away and see if they can convince someone under candlelight. Awesome, awesome advice. So there, if there's anything that I have missed that you would like to mention. One last thing, my friend. I have a very large Facebook fan page, 102,000 local Costa Ricans there. It'll give your audience a pulse of the business process outsourcing industry in Costa Rica. We're north of Panama, south of Nicaragua, the only democratic society in Central America. There's no standing army here. There's a 95% literacy rate, the best infrastructure, and we considered to have the most neutral of English accents. And companies such as Amazon, HP, Intel, and Oracle are here. Costa Rica is known for medical tourism and especially ecotourism. So if you love waterfalls and beaches and iguanas, monkeys and butterflies and exotic <laughs> fruit, I got a thousand and one amazing suggestions for you and your audience. Awesome. Awesome. So is there a place where people can connect with you also? Yes, of course. They can uh, send me an email at CEO at Costa Rica's call center.com or go to our website. And as I mentioned, it's anybody that just wants to touch base and share ideas I'd be more than happy to take a look at a script or just to brainstorm with you or just to give you that sort of confidence to make that first phone call and see where your career takes you. Awesome, awesome. Richard, thank you very much for this energetic interview and for your awesome information, your awesome soul and for being here today with me on this episode. I really enjoyed myself. I was saying thank you so much for Appreciate sending the invitation. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Success Grid. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And if you found value in the show, rate and leave a review on iTunes. For more resources, visit successgrid.net. Until next time.